Thank you for joining me for another episode of Empower Apps. I'm your host, Leo Dan. Today, I am joined by Stuart Lynch. Hey, Stuart. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Hey, thanks for having me on. We have a lot to talk about, but before we begin, I'm going to let you go ahead and introduce yourself. Okay. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, my name is Stuart Lynch, and um, you can tell by my looks, I've been around for a while. Yeah, actually, I had, didn't, if you're interested in, in how I got into iOS development, I, I didn't really get into it until after my second retirement. So I spent a lot of years uh, working up to the uh, to the dive into iOS development. I spent uh, 11 years as a school teacher, um, two years as a district helping teacher, trying to get uh, other teachers to uh, integrate technology. That was back in the 80s. Spent three years in hell as a high school vice principal, and then another 16 years as a director of technology for two different school districts before I took an early retirement and then joined a software company, Canada's largest software company. And uh, that's where I was. I played a number of roles there, including doing some uh, after party or value added software development uh, based on the platform that this uh, software company, their platform, and uh, taught people how to code on that platform. So, uh, you know, my background is is really in, in teaching other people how to use technology and how to develop. So started uh, after I got let go of that job, when they downsized, I uh, started learning iOS development. And that was just when Swift was released in 2014. Okay. So that's, that's where I started. And two years ago, I guess it was, I started a YouTube channel just to uh, share my thoughts on software development and in the iOS environment. Yeah, if folks haven't checked your YouTube channel out, definitely do. The link will be in the show notes. But what's it like being a YouTuber? What was the biggest challenge getting started there? Well, I had done YouTube videos for this company, so it wasn't new to me because I was, I'm was i always dealing with topics that I know a fair amount of in those days. I mean, I was just basically going through this product, and so I did all their product videos. And... Um, it took me quite a while to get the confidence to be able to share what I, I thought I knew in iOS development. Uh, and, I, and I think that that's probably the, what has increased my ability to be able to develop in a logical fashion was being forced to put my thoughts down. I mean, a lot of people do it in blogs. I do it in videos. And so, gotcha. you know, that was just, uh, it was a goal of mine to try and share. I've always shared. So that was... Uh, just something that I decided to do. So one of your latest uh, set of videos has been building this top headlines app. Do you want to explain how that's been going? Yeah, that I, I let me back up just a little bit. When I first started doing YouTube videos, the whole theme was to do things to teach people not to have the bad habits that I had when I first started out. And so uh, most of my in, in single videos are sort of on fundamentals that try to dig down to follow the documentation a bit to understand why some things work the way that they do and not just copy and paste code, but really to understand why you have to do something or why you do something one way. So I built up probably close to 100 videos just on single standalone topics on iOS development. And it, and they're pretty much... Wow. You know, they're Swift-based, but any of the UI stuff is Swift UI. I made that decision not too long ago to basically focus just on Swift UI. And so, you know, eventually you start to run out of those fundamental topics. 
So I started to put together, well, I put together a few playlists on, on some things. And then I decided, okay, well, let me try and focus on what might be someone's portfolio app that will focus on a particular topic. So go through something that takes it through, but doesn't take any shortcuts. Like oftentimes you'll see people that they'll, they'll do videos uh, on YouTube and then they'll, they'll have print statements in the place of where there might be an error. And they all say, now you shouldn't do this in real code. <laughs> and so I thought, yeah, well, that doesn't help. That doesn't help people that are starting out. Right. So what I'm trying to do in my short three, four video series are basically take people through concepts that they might be proud of as a portfolio app, but also demonstrate that this could be a piece of a real app because I'm covering error handling in many cases and I'm I'm doing things as to what you might want to do so that your app is going to be presentable so that you could take those concepts and throw them together into your, you know, your pet project, your bigger app. So, so the, my headlines or the headlines one too was, was one that, okay, we're on the cusp now of going from iOS 14 to iOS 15. How do I make, how do I, if I have an app right now, how can I make sure that I can start to take advantage of some of the iOS 15 features, yet still maintain my user base that have not yet updated. Okay. So the whole theme behind that one is to sort of conditionally apply iOS 15 techniques, yet still have a target that is iOS 14. And so that that was the theme of that one. Yeah, that makes sense. Now that you talked about getting good habits, I figured let's get into the meat of our discussion today. We're talking about how to... How to learn new stuff, because over the last year, I have been trying to like deep dive into a lot of new APIs and kind of learning, learning new things. I think a lot of us have obviously been jumping into SwiftUI. That's been a big one. And of course, I recently turned turned 40 and I want to stay fresh. I recently turned 70. So. <laughs> Shh, you're not supposed to say that. So I'm still trying to stay fresh. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Second Retirement over here. So yeah, and this is a, this is a episode 101. This is the third anniversary of the show. So I think like if there's anything us developers have to run into is learning new stuff. And one of the big, big challenges that I've faced has been, I don't want to say like breaking bad habits so much as like wrapping my head around a new way of doing things. And that's especially the case with Swift UI. We, like actually, actually, I do remember doing MVVM whenever I've done anything in JavaScript or uh, when I was doing. Uh, do you remember Silverlight? Yeah, actually, I do. Yeah, you do. Okay, so I used to do Silverlight when I was uh, back a hundred years ago when I was a .NET developer, you know, and that was that was very much like two data two way data binding and MVVM, and then I became an iOS developer, right? And it was like, no, MVC is the way to do things and UI kit and all that. And there's like the crazy people who do reactive, right? And now we're all going over to doing Swift UI. And now I have to like rewrap my brain around the way I have to do stuff using, you know, combine and, and data binding and things like that. So like, I think that's a big challenge for a lot of folks, especially, especially those of us who have like habits and ways that we do things is trying to do things a new way and adapting to that. You'll, you'll hear like old Objective-C developers, right? Who'll just like, Mm -hmm. Oh, I hate Swift. It's so strict. It's so tough. And like, what are, what are some ways though? Like folks like us can like learn these new things and wrap up, like reconfigure the way we do, we code essentially. 
Yeah, it's a good question, you know, because I don't I don't think that my audience is necessarily people who are experienced developers. You know, more my audience is more people who are starting out and developing bad habits. So you don't have bad habits, you just have different habits. So it's it's a a little little different. So yeah, I guess I get intimidated by by people like yourself because I don't feel like I have an awful lot to to offer someone like yourself. Although sometimes I do get feedback from from experienced developers saying, "Yeah, that was great. I didn't realize that." And I, you tend to forget that when you you yourself are deep into a particular architecture, that that's really all you know. And in fact, you don't even know all of it. You know a small piece of it. And you right. have done things one way for so long that you don't necessarily know that there might be another way, you know, and, and I love reading these, you know, this I learn type things from people on uh, that, that tweet, because I'm a big Twitter follower. And, and I'm saying, you didn't know that? I mean, I knew that right from the beginning. And you, you tend to forget that, that, you know, people develop these habits that are really difficult to break out of and to to do other other things, right? So I think that the biggest thing is to is to have an open mind and and experience other people's content just to see what it is. Now, I may not be the best example because I take things pretty slow. So I recommend people watch my videos at 1.3 speed there or faster and then just slow down when they need to because I, I try not to leave out any gaps. So, you know, if you're just starting out, you can code along with me because, you know, I'm going through things and I'm explaining them and highlighting them on the screen. But someone like yourself could get through my stuff really quickly and you never know, you know, what you can just pick up from somebody. So, you know, I, I have myself, I've kind of graduated from watching a lot of YouTube videos from other content providers and now more myself reading blog posts because I'm at that level that I can understand that kind of stuff a little bit better, whereas I'm a more visual learner. Uh, yet, you know, just the other day there, I'm, you know, I'm watching something from Sean Allen on because, um, I, you know, I'm sitting around and i am got nothing better to do. I'll start to watch some YouTube videos and I'll speed his up and watch them as well. And, you know, you just pick up these little tips and things that are just thinking like, that's brilliant. You know, I hadn't really thought about that. That's a different way of doing things. Yeah. If there's anything from watching someone else, it's like, it's not necessarily when it's content that I already know, it's finding out like all these new habits and tricks that you didn't know about, like you're saying, like when you were watching Sean, right? Yeah. You know, and then I'll try to incorporate them and, and share those, you know, you know, obviously I, 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 I'm really conscious about stealing somebody else's ideas and trying to claim them as my own. Uh, like I'm super conscientious about that. So all of my videos, if, if any of the stuff that I'm presenting originated from somebody else, I'm going to give them credit for that because I think that's really important. Uh, it's just that I might have a different take on it and a different presentation. So it, there's no one way to learn. Uh, you know, like, for example, when I decided that I was going to try and learn Combine, and I actually tried tried to do that right out of the box uh, two years ago, or yeah, two years ago when it was released. Yeah, right, two years ago. Two years ago. Yeah. So yeah, crazy. I, yeah, and and so I bought the, uh, uh, I guess it was Martin Todorov's book the, from uh, Ray Wender, Wenderlich, and like I just couldn't see the point of it. I just could not see the point of it, uh, and. And so, you know, I, I went through it, but there was nothing practical there. It was all just way too theoretical for me. And 
And then um, Muhammad Azam, he basically took that book and did it as a video series. He does a lot of that where he'll take other people's content and put them out as videos. And, you know, and he's upfront about that. And and that was a little bit better for me. And then I signed up for um, what's his name? Um, Well-known Swift uh, content provider who has a Swift combined course. uh, Oh, I can't remember now. Anyway, it wasn't cheap. It was a book or a course. Anyway, so it was, you know, I got through that and it was over my head before I knew it. And then, uh, so, you know, this is my third attempt at it, right? And so then I decided, okay, I'll I'll find another one. And then I discovered uh, Karen Prater, who has a course on on Swift, on Combine. And that really was good. It was practical. And bang, I got into it. Okay. And then I got... um, Dim Sum Thinking's book on uh, yeah. the combined yep. quick start. Daniels. Daniels. Yeah. A completely different take. It's great, you know? So I'm getting all these different vantage points on it. And then Mark Boykins comes out with his book that, you know, is, is really quite brilliant if you like those kinds of, uh, of, of presentations. So, you know, and finally, it was after all of that, I decided, okay, maybe now I can do a video on it. So I wrote, okay. uh, I did a video series on taking a normal Swift UI app, a to-do app. It's called, let's, what is it called? It's called Not Another Swift UI To-Do App that I built completely <laughs> out in Swift UI. And then I completely convert it to combine. So it's, you know, and, and in fact, what I'm doing, I'll be doing in September, I've actually recorded the videos, I haven't recorded the audio yet, is taking that same Swift UI app and converting it to use not async because it's not async, but uh, using iOS features, uh, 15, iOS 15 features. So basically, you know, you're taking the same concept, but doing it in different ways. And I think that's the best way to sort of experiment with things on how to learn things is to let's take a different approach. Let's dive deep into a technology. But, boy, it's a huge commitment, especially with combined. And, um, you know, and now with the uh, async await, you know, a lot of that stuff that I was thinking of and combine, you know, I'm not necessarily using it now uh, in, in that aspect. Right. So, uh, you know, I don't know. It, you know, there's just so many different ways that well, you- that's interesting. You took it from like so many different perspectives and like we've had we had Marin was the last guest I had on. And like I understood that stuff and it was easy for me to understand once I figured out the reactive way of doing things. Yeah. Like it's it's interesting that Karen was the one that really like cooked you and, and got you uh, interested in it and you understood the concepts. And I think like, that's, that's one of those similarities I think with like experienced developers and like, like people who are new, new at this stuff is we all come at it with like certain assumptions about how it works. And then that's what I find is like, I'll, I, when I was doing this, the stri- uh, Stripe API or the store kit and it's like, well, this is what you're just, giving money and then like here you you call the API to charge the credit card. And then it's like, no, 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 you have to to, like check the receipt and do all this stuff. And, and like, it was like, Oh, now I understand like the mental model of, you know, getting actual money and like having people buy your product. Now it's like, okay, I get it. Like you have a customer, you have a product, you have a price you have. And like that, I think like, that's one of the things about rocking these big APIs and it seems like you really specialize in like making sure people understand like the foundation first, right? 
Because that's one of the problems I, I end up getting myself stuck is when I try to integrate different things together. Like, oh, how do I do server-side Swift, but also a store with like Stripe? And it's like, no, 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 slow down. Like, get a foundation first. Hey, folks. So you probably know I'll be presenting on server-side Swift at 360 iDev. And there's a lot of great services out there to get started. However, usually I run into some sort of quota limit or speed issue when I use any of the cheaper services. This has especially been the case with Orchard Nest, my Swift news site. And that's when I ran into Linode. What I really like about Linode is I can set up basically my own server and scale it up and down. With their excellent service and great dashboard for developers, I'm able to get going quickly. For instance, over WWDC 2021 week, I ran into memory and speed issues on my instance with them. And I was able to quickly and easily upgrade those servers so that it can take the increased traffic over WWDC week. And it worked out great. So here's what you can do. Go to the link in the show notes below and get $100 60-day credit for your new account. If you're interested in getting started with server-side Swift, this is a great way for you to get started with your own server. You have no excuse to take advantage of this offer. Again, go to the link in the show notes below to get $100 60-day credit for a new account. If you're interested in getting started with server-side Swift, this is a great way to get started. Set up your new server on Linode and get started today. When I first started out, Doing iOS development, I took one of these courses that were, you know, like learn 12 apps and become an iOS developer kind of thing. Oh, and um, well, you know, and it was great as an overview, but boy, you know, it it really didn't do me any favors in the long run. And my modus operandi, because I, you know, I and I've got uh, what 12 apps on the App Store. None of them, I mean, uh, you know, a few of them are making some money, but most of them are just. I scratched an itch, you know, I, I built an app because I wanted to do something and it was, and each one has a different focus and, and, and that was kind of good, but the code's not very good in any of them, maybe except for the last one, but the, you know, my, the way that I did things like, okay, so I needed to do, uh, in, in my wine app, I needed to scan barcodes and, uh, be able to find the, the wine based on the barcode or something like that. And so I would find a piece of code that I would just, copy and paste into my app and then um, tweak it until it actually worked. And, you know, God, I had no idea what was going on. And and this may have been back in the Swift 2 days. And so yeah, you, know, right. you come back to Swift 3 and you just better hope that those upgrades, those migration things actually work because I had yeah. no idea what I was doing, right? Whoops, I didn't have any truck catches. Now you got to yeah, add those. Yeah. Have fun. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, that that whole copy and paste stuff, um, you know, I, I I don't you know it just goes against my grain. I you know I don't uh, I, so I don't like watching people's content when it's when they're providing too much of a boilerplate and without me understanding what's going on in behind. And and I find that sometimes and that that's me. That may not be for for you, but for example, um. The Ray Wenderlich stuff. I'm a subscriber. I get their stuff. But when I was first learning, I didn't find it particularly helpful because their starter projects were far too sophisticated for me at that point. So even though they were, okay. you know, they were teaching individual concepts, but the whole backbone of that starter app 
was way beyond the way that I had ever been developing things. So, you know, I had to take a bit of a step back. Now I have no issue because I, you know, when, whenever I get a starter app, I dig down to find out exactly what someone has done. And if I provide a starter app in my tutorials, the first two or three minutes is going through showing people exactly what I've done. And by the way, if you don't know how to do this, here's a video that shows you how to do that, right? I have a single video that shows you this particular concept. So, um, you know, I think it's really dangerous to try and to just take content, you know, copy and paste from Stack Overflow or from wherever and throw it into your project because if things change, if the framework changes, the API changes, you, you know, you're left out there. Which they do quite a bit. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's a real danger, I think. One thing that I do when I want to figure out how something works is I might, like, copy and paste it. But what I, what I really want to do is, like, I want to understand it. So I might change a variable here or yeah. look up the definition here. Or like try like almost like not I don't want to say break it, but like figure out what the heck do all these things do? Like yeah. especially some of the older like f- ones where you have a, like a bunch of flags. Uh, what is it like dispatch queue like GCD stuff? There's like a ton of flags there, and it's like like I like I want to know what each of these things do. Why do you use them? Should I ever use them? Like that to me is like what's important because it's like like you said, copy and pasting like. That works, but like you're gonna have to customize it. Like you're gonna have to change things, obviously. And so, like, and I that's what really I'm about is like when I do copy and paste, like it's like I want to know like what you what do these lines do? What are they? What, what happens if I change the string? What happens if I call this function, etc.? And why is it in that order? Yeah, and and I really love to option click and dig down into the documentation and find out what are the default values for these particular parameters or arguments? And uh, what are some other methods that might be for this that I, that I could use that, that might be a little bit clearer, you know? And, uh, and, and I think that's, that's a skill that you have to develop. You've got to, I think you really do have to dig into that documentation and, and find out what are the defaults? How are things supposed to work? And, and, you know, what are the expected outcomes that you should get? So what are, what do you think are some other traps that you can fall into when you follow tutorials or videos um, that might keep you kind of stuck, I guess? Well, I, you know, I think one of the biggest problems people have is when they're starting out in particular is that they have this idea for this app and it's a fairly significant one. I mean, I'll get these, you know, messages from people and uh, who want some help and, and they've got this idea for this app that is multi, multifaceted, and they have no idea how to do it, but they just start out. They just start by coding without really having a game plan on how to reach that end. And, um, you know, and, and, you know, there's others that, that, that will just watch tutorials and they'll never get off the tutorial track. And then there's others that just jump in and all of a sudden they're, they, then, then they start to add more features and it's just like they're plugging in, you know, to try and get something from somewhere else that there's no relationship between it. Or they've learned a concept that was shown by one person that is completely different architecture than what they've used, yet they're trying to make it fit with theirs. And, uh, you know, so I think it's really important to to start small and and build, you know, if you have an idea for an app, that's going to include, you know, photos or, or, or whatever, an image of something that you're going to do, then, 
focus first on, on building an app that can allow you to use a picker and the camera and to display that content, to save it to locally, to reduce the, uh, the, the quality and perhaps zoom in on that, that photo or something like that. And then, you know, nail that concept down and store that away. So when I'm building a new app, I've got a folder that I, and they're all something, something dev. And then within there, I've got maybe 10 or 11 mini, uh, you know, projects that are focusing only on one particular topic that I want to cover. And then, and oftentimes when I'm doing that, I'm learning, wow, I could end up doing more because there's nothing worse than starting down a path and then finding out that you can do more, but realize that you haven't coded it properly. The architecture isn't such that you're going to be able to integrate that additional feature without doing an awful lot of work. So I think the more upfront work you do, the the better you're going to, your end result is going to be. So it's not a race, it's slow down a little bit. But I know some people are in this, you know, people aren't like me, I've got no agenda, right? I, I you know, I, I've had two retirements. And uh, so there's no rush for me. And others, I know that they want to, you know, get their product out, or they want to get a job in, in the community and the iOS development community. And uh, so, you know, maybe I'm not given the best advice there. But if you really want to learn something, I think it's best advice is to slow down a bit. I think like the big problem with going fast is it only will work in like one really tight use case. And like, like there's no flexibility, like software is supposed to be soft. You're supposed to be able to change it. And then you end up being stuck. Like when you're talking about your photo app, like, okay, it only works in that one case. What if you need to change this little thing or add this feature? Like now you're kind of screwed. And I think that's, that's a big part of the problem. Like I, uh, when I was, you know, this goes to back to like modular modularization. One day I will pronounce that word right. But like when I was doing the Stripe stuff, like it was important for me to like separate the Stripe API calls from the Vapor stuff and not trying to integrate two really complicated APIs that I know little about and being able to do that, do that safely. And like, I, it was important for me to like fully understand how the Stripe API works before I integrate that with, with Vapor when I was doing purchasing and stuff like that. Or like with like, you know, land, like, I don't know, just integrating multiple technologies. It's, it's important to understand them in their own separate separate ways, but then like making sure that you can interchange parts easily. So that way the integration and the testing is working. So I think like, yeah, like you said, understand one component of that deeply and then, and then dive into the other component deeply and then figure out the integration after that, as opposed to just like hacking the two pieces together. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, you know, had, I've had the, the pleasure I say of, of, helping a few people out, mentoring them, you know, people that are not as experienced as, as I might be. And, um, you know, they, and invariably they have an app that they're working on that um, is, you know, it's a particular niche and they, they want to get that app out. And so they'll come to me with a particular problem and they'll try and define it. Though they're not always very good at defining what the, the problem is and they'll share their code with me and I'll, fix the problem for them or, or show them how to fix the problem, work them through them. And then after the fact, they say, oh, and by the way, I want to be able to do this as well. And, and oh, well, if I'd known that at the start, it would have taken a different approach, right? 
At least at least they're a mentee and not a client, though. If yeah, it's a client, oh, yeah. then it's even worse. <laughs> yeah, I, I can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, that that that's tough. I, you know, I think you know if you're ever working with anybody, it's really really clear. It should you know it's important for you to to understand what your end goal is so that you can have everything in place, you know, or, right. and if you're the, the mentor, you just be able to ask the right question. I think sometimes you don't, you don't know what you don't know. I think you know, that's, that's part true. of the problem is like with these young, younger you know, developers or with a client, what I find is like, they, they know, they kind of know what they want, but they sometimes there's gray areas. They didn't realize that they need to be a little bit more specific about what they're actually, what they actually want. Because like, once they start using it or or start working with the app or coding the app, it's like, oh wait, I you know I don't want it to do exactly that. I actually want this to be different or this color to be different. How do I change that? How do I how do I add pull? I thought pull to refresh is automatic. It just comes for free. And then they like start using it, and then they realize, oh, they didn't mention that. They need they need other things. And I I mean I think that just comes naturally in a lot of ways. Yeah, well, I guess the the challenge then, if you as the contractor or the mentor, is to be able to ask the right questions. You know, if, because. Right. Yeah, you exactly. tend to exactly. you tend to know what's possible. So by asking them, well, do you want to be able to do that? And they go, well, well, yeah. Well, you didn't mention that, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's a little bit. I think it's a little bit part of the mentor experience. Obviously, would be to teach that that that's a gray area they need to specify. But yeah, with a client, uh, definitely, it's more more necessary. So, like, how did you become a mentor exactly? How was that experience? I think just through through my videos and, uh, you know, I, I, I actually participate in a number of Facebook groups as well that are Swift uh, development Facebook groups and, and Twitter. And, um, you know, so I'll answer questions. And um, the interesting thing is that most of the people that I end up mentoring are older people. And I'm talking older, like, like you know, maybe not quite as old as I am, but getting close. And I think so you know, that's important when you, when you're looking for a mentor is you have to be able to identify with that particular person. And I, you know, I never show my face on my videos, you know, but I do have this avatar kind of thing in, in every one of the titles. So people get a pretty good idea that I'm not a, uh, not a young person. So I think that, you know, and just maybe the way that I present or maybe the way that I answer questions People can sort of resonate with me that are older and knowing that I'm a not a threatening person. And so they'll reach out to me. And um, yeah, so, you know, and I'll help whenever I can, you know, I'll dive into their code. I mean, normally I ask them to send me their code because if they they just send me a snippet of something, it doesn't mean anything. I want to see how it all fits in the big picture. You need the full context, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so then I'll just dig into their project, and sometimes we end up completely rewriting it, completely, because they're not always large projects. You know, they're fairly, fairly small, because, you know, that's the kind of people that are attracted to me, people that are more or less starting out. And, um, yeah, so, so you know, I start to build these relationships with people, which is, to me, is, is that's why I'm in it. You know, I've, I think anybody who's a, a teacher who has enjoys teaching, they're in it for personal gratification you know we've got pretty big egos you like to be complimented on things you know i the 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 biggest thrill i get is when i have um former students of mine and i only taught for 11 years but the first four years was in a a small high school that that shut down after those four years and um 
some of those students, I mean, they're only 10 years younger than me. They are some of my Facebook friends now that are, you know, I'm up, they're up, they're up on me, I'm up on them. And, and you know, just to give you this feedback about the impression that I made on them as a, as a teacher. And so... That's awesome. Yeah, well, it is. It's a great feeling, but that's kind of why we're in it. And I guess that's why I do this, is I like to get that positive feedback. I mean, there, you know, you get negative feedback, which you do occasionally. I mean, it's devastating, but you got to work through that, right? Right, right, right. So, and, and that's why I guess when I do my videos, like, I'm super concerned about making sure. Uh, and here's an example. I uh, I did um, this video series on, on the To-Do app that... Uh, that is now being updated to iOS 15. And I completely misinterpreted. I'm not even going to tell you what it was, but I misinterpreted something. And I did three videos, recorded them, uploaded them to YouTube as unpublished because I, I won't release them till later on. And I okay. was going to sleep and I realized that I messed up completely on that first video. So I now have to pull all three of them and re-record the video, re-record the audio, put them all together again, because I know that there's one guy in particular that is going to call me out on everything that I do wrong. <laughs> you know, or, or, you know, why did you do that? You know, you could have done it this way, you know, and. Uh, How are the YouTube commenters? Are they, are they much better than the usual crowd? Yeah, they're generally pretty good. They're, they're generally pretty okay, good. Okay. But maybe that's just because of the audience that I have that, that don't know enough to, to criticize it. Because those that do, you know, if I mess up something, you know, like saying, well, that you're not really using MVVM. I get that a fair bit from some people because it isn't. It's a hybrid, right? I, I don't care. There's, there's a bit. I don't know if you know this, but programmers can be very much in the uh, actually crowd. So, yeah, you know. I know. Yeah. Yeah. There's, anyway. there's quite a few of those out there. Trust me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I've certainly learned, uh, I think my first post on uh Stack Overflow back in 2014, okay. you know, and I try and do all my research and, you know, frame a question. Yep. And it's actually, I've been getting really good, quick responses on just about everything now. And, and it's been great. You know, I, so I haven't really experienced recently any of that negativity. But the first one came back and he had re-edited my entire post by correcting my spelling of Xcode, you know, with a capital X, capital C with the oh, right, 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 lower, right. you know, because that's absolutely wrong, you know, and other things where, you know, I contracted instead of expanded two words instead of one, you know, and, oh boy, was that, that was a bit humiliating because it comes back and it was completely corrected. And then he answered my question, you know, but uh, anyway, so yeah, that Stack Overflow can be a scary place uh, if you don't know what you're asking. My biggest problem with Stack Overflow, and I don't think it's Stack Overflow's part problem, really, or fault, but it's kind of a mess because it still has a lot of old stuff on there. And, like, you'll end up with an answer to a question. Like, I don't, I actually don't ask a lot of questions on there on Swift, but I do, like, when I do a Google search, I'll find that there's a ton of, like, like, you get an occasional objective C answer, but you also get the occasional uh, Swift one or Swift two or Swift three answer. And it's like, well, this is garbage for me. Like this is kind of useless and you have to like really weed through the answers to find the one that actually fits for like Swift five. And it's like, yeah, there's, I, I find that to be the biggest issue. And I've actually found that like when I Google questions, 
It's uh well you end up with Paul, right? You'll always have Paul's answers up there. But then like I've actually found a lot more like Swift Forum answer or not Swift Forum. Well Swift Forum, but also Apple developer forums too. That seems to have crawled up and up uh in the Google search rankings in the last year or so. So I find that like a little bit more helpful in in a lot of ways. I don't know, like Stack Overflow, it's not it's not like it used to be 10 years ago when I like I said when I was a .net developer and I was looking for an answer. Um, like I find it a lot easier to look for answers when it's not Swift related, when it's like JavaScript or something else that I'm working on, but Swift, it doesn't, it like, doesn't seem like a good fit right now when I'm trying to look for an answer on stack overflow. Yeah. And, and yeah, uh, you know, you got to look at the dates for sure. Uh, you know, the, when the responses are, yeah. And, and, you know, they're not always the correct answers either. And, and then that's, you know, it's a, it's, it's a challenge definitely to go through them, but, uh, yeah, sometimes, you know, I've found that many times, though, it's been very helpful for me. So that's good. But then now when you're, you know, you're trying to dig into iOS 15 stuff, you don't know if you're doing it wrong or if it's a bug, you know. And, and so, you know, I, I'll often tweet saying, you know, I can't get this to work. What am I doing <laughs> well, wrong? Or is this a bug before I file a feedback on it, you know? And, well, um, let's talk a little bit more about um, iOS 15 in the next episode. I think this is a good good stopping point. And the next episode, we'll talk a little bit more about iOS learning iOS 15 and mentoring and finding good content and learning from others and things like that. Does that sound like a good plan for you? Sounds good. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Stuart, for coming on the show. Uh, where can people find you? Probably, well, the, the best place is, is on Twitter, at Stuart Lynch. Everything that I do is basically at Stuart Lynch. So on Twitter is at Stuart Lynch. <laughs> YouTube channel, Stuart Lynch. I do have a website. Uh, my, my, my personal company name is Createx Solutions. So um, I'll, I'll give you that link and you can sort of link to it if you like in, in the show notes. But that has, awesome. a, link to, that has a link to all of my, uh, my apps and my uh, YouTube videos and, and courses and stuff like that, 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 that people can go to and, and, and go on and take a look at those. So. Awesome. So be sure to join us for the next episode. Stuart's going to be talking more about iOS 15 and mentoring and uh, some other stuff about learning. Uh, folks can find me on Twitter at Leo G Dion. My company's bright digit. Take some time to uh, subscribe and like this video and also to post a review. If you have any feedback, let me know on Twitter. Thank you so much. And we'll talk to you again in the next episode. <laughs>